Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 64, the changing cast of characters. So, Brian, are we talking about birds or are we talking about the fact that I got changed out for Evan last episode? <laughs> well, you are a character, but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll focus on birds today. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, like the seasons change and leaves change and temperatures change. Birds in our backyards also change. And it's it's that season where we're getting fall weather and birds are flitting through the yard and they're they're starting to move through. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about today some of those birds that are changing, but also how you can learn to uh, take care of the birds that are passing through and help them. But as well, maybe what you do now, how that will help birds to determine that they want to make your area, your yard, a winter home. Absolutely. And, you know, there's all kinds of changes happening, Brian, in regards to not only the cast of characters, but sometimes the regular characters kind of change how they behave this time of year, too. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Indeed. So stick around for the fun and learning, everyone. Brian, back from Panama and ready to take on another episode of our podcast. So uh, let's get going. Excellent. Yeah. Give us, I'd love to talk about stuff, <laughs> but I want to hear from you for a moment. How was Panama? What was oh the burning like? Gosh. My gosh. Well, it was awesome. The only downside Panama is a hot, humid place. You are in the tropical rainforest and there's not a breath of wind and it's, you know, 90% humidity and 90 some odd degrees. And it's, 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 uh, it's a challenge burning a little bit, but well worth every effort to be honest. We ended up with over really about eight days in the field. We ended up with 259 different bird species. Fantastic. I had over a hundred life birds that I'd never seen before, which was way cool. We had a lot of different habitats and up in the highlands and down along the coast and did shore birding. And, and it was fun because, you know, we're talking about the changing cast of characters mm -hmm. and it was really cool to see some of our normal summer residents here in the Midwest, if you will. Uh, oh, yeah. upper Midwest down there already. I was going to ask because we have birds passing through our yards, but you say too, even some of the, our summer residents that come and raise a family, but then head back down. So what were some of those really cool birds? I didn't expect to see as many as we did because we're, we're on the early end of this, you know, to be all right. for a bird to leave here and already are even farther North and to already be in Panama just kind of stunned me that, that there were that many birds that were that early. But no, we had one of the coolest things was our eastern kingbird. Yes. Now, typically here, when you see an eastern kingbird, it might be one or two. Mm -hmm. you know, it might be a nesting pair, that type of thing. We had a flock of 20 of them go over. It was unbelievable. I've never seen that many kingbirds at one time before. So that was cool. They were down there. Wow. A flock of 20 together. That is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It was a surprising sight, to be honest. But we had swallows. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> had seven different species of warblers. Had uh, Louisiana water thrush and black and white warbler, American red start, uh, cerulean, blackburnian, yellow 
Canada warblers. So that was, but the coolest thing, one of the coolest things was we had house wren down there. Uh-huh. Uh, one know, of our summer I, resident birds. Yeah, yeah. And you and yeah. I talked about it. You know, our house wrens, we, we, you and I both get them nesting in our boxes we have around our house. Right. Typically, once they get done with that final nesting, they just disappear. So it was really cool to see them down there. <laughs> well, now we know where they disappear to. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of here. We're going to Panama, dude. <laughs> and of course, Panama is a really interesting country. I had not been there before. And so I just was really thrilled to learn more about the culture and just so many neat things to experience and see. So, so we had a blast. Enough, enough of Panama. What's happening in your yard? What's happening at the Cunningham Ranch? <laughs> it, we, we, we have the birds moving through. And uh, a note for folks that, man, where have all my birds gone? They're just not here. Well, yeah. you just wait till you get some of that cool weather. And like previous episodes we talked about, uh, the birds are busy on all the natural foods. But as the cool weather's kicking in, they're they're coming back. They're hitting the feeders a little more often. I'm getting um, more of my woodpecker activity back, more activity from my regular feeder birds. Um, I'm getting, you know, from the pileated woodpeckers are back and the northern flickers are back. And um, But also birds moving through. We still mm-hmm. have hummingbirds moving. And mm-hmm. it, we're always cheering every time we see one hit the feeders. Yeah. We know yeah. at this point. The hummingbirds for us are all in migration, so we're like, yay, we're helping you. Uh, But one of my favorite family groups I've talked about before, the thrushes, Swainson's thrush, wood thrush, veeries. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've had so much fun just going out and listening in the mornings when they're landing from their nighttime migrations and they're doing their little call notes. Uh, But every once in a while, one of them will sing (laughs) early morning, kind of early to mid morning. And I just, I love hearing those songs. Yeah. so all that's going on. Um, yeah. You know, I can circle back, Brian, on what you just said in the sense of the, the changing temperature changes behavior because exactly. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've not been home that much, but my feeders, I think I mentioned on the, the previous podcast before the last one that, you know, activity was slowing down. There's just abundant food out there right now between all the the fruits and the tree nuts and the weed seeds that are available to all our birds. Mm-hmm. And they're just feasting on all that. Um, but tonight or last night, it got down into the mid to lower 50s and got a little nippy. And I've not seen my bluebirds. We've talked about bluebirds before that, you know, they 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 do oh, that yes. nesting. And, and after that last nesting, they kind of disappear for a while. You yeah. know, they, they, again, this time of year, there's tons of natural fruit, fruit available for them, which they really love. Guess what I saw this morning? You had your bluebirds this morning? I had my Sweet. bluebirds come back this morning. We're hitting the bark butter bits. So mine, fu- mine finally showed back up this weekend. They took about a month hiatus, maybe six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was sad. But they're back, so I'm like stoked. <laughs> <laughs> and they were checking Very out cool. the feeders, too. So I know yeah. they're back to make sure, hey, you've got a, you've got a re- reliable, regular food source that I want, right? Because... Yeah. If you have that, then that's what the birds are looking for. That's one of those tips of, do you want to try to keep birds this winter? Have yeah. those foods out now that they like. So when they come check on it, they're going to, they're going to, they'll be back for winter time. And you know, that's, that's not only true for your, your resident birds that, you know, you mentioned hummingbirds, Brian. And the, the bottom line is that, you know, there's been studies done 
that literally hummingbirds, when they migrate through, come back to the same feeder, often on the same day, Mm -hmm. every year, year in and year out. So, you know, you think about having that reliable, you think, well, what do you mean reliable feeder? These birds are just passing through, you know, they're just one day wonders. Well, guess what? They remember that feeder from last year if they used it, and they're coming back to it again this year. And I have a Cooper's Hawk right on my trellis (laughs) right outside my window. A juvenile Cooper's Hawk right there. Distracted by birds. I wish I had a camera to show everybody. (laughs) Holy moly. That's awesome. Well, there goes my backyard bird activity for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, little birdies. Off they go. Go to hiding. What are, what are we going to recommend to people to make a difference in their backyard for the migrants and for their local birds this time of year that might be switching? You know, a lot of our local birds, I mentioned in the, in the opener, a lot of our local birds kind of shift their diet mm-hmm. moving forward from here. A lot of them are insect eaters. Our, our, our um, nuthatches quite often are real heavy insect feeders during the the summertime switch more to fats and seeds during mm-hmm. the the winter time and you're starting to see that transition happening so oh, let's give them about, our best recommendations yeah, so many other birds too i mean uh, robins are doing that and bluebirds are doing that and chickadees and yeah. yeah yeah it's just amazing how many backyard birds are switching over to seeds and fruits and mm-hmm. fats so one of the best ways uh if you want to just put out one feeder one of the best ways to do that and one feeder to do it with would be a tray style feeder. Yes, sir. I love trays. You and I, <laughs> we are just, we're waving the banner. We're, <laughs> we got the cheerleading squad. Trays, yeah. trays. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah. And if you, you can elevate that tray, you know, hang it off of a, a hook or get a, a bigger tray that you can um, mount on a post you know how yeah so it's a nice stable platform birds really just they really prefer to have a nice stable platform if they can and or something that's not going to sway too crazy but a tray feeder is so wonderful because one they can see the food they know when the food's there mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really easy yeah yeah and and if you're one of those resident birds then you can always double check you can you can be a yard away and look over there like okay there's food in there i'm good i'll, I'll be back uh, but if you're one of those migrating birds you're moving through it's hard to tell if there's food at a feeder but if you have a, tr- a tray right. and the birds can see it then it's kind of uh, a little beacon uh, you know i think of you, you go driving somewhere and someone's got a sign and they're spinning it twirling it and <laughs> trying yeah. to get your attention <laughs> it's, it's almost like that uh, but yeah. nice and easy to see so tray feeding is really wonderful uh, because it's really easy for the birds to see but there's so many yeah, it, benefits to trays yeah and it seems kind of counterintuitive to think about but it actually birds feel very secure on a tray feeder it mm-hmm. seems counterintuitive you think they feel better and more secure on a hopper feeder or maybe on the tube feeder but it's because of their ability on a tray feeder to see anything around them Mm-hmm. I mean, they can see a predator com- right. coming and get that extra split second jump. If you're blocked, if your vision in front of you is blocked because you're sitting on a hopper feeder, you're a little more nervous. You know, you're not quite as right. comfortable. So that's that's another benefit that birds really appreciate from a tray feeder. But well, um, uh, you know, <laughs> a hawk story that I 
that reminds me of. It's yeah. not the one I was thinking of, but you mentioning oh. that when a bird's sitting on a tube feeder or, or a hopper feeder where part of their vision is blocked and they can only see maybe 180 around them. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. out bird watching one day and I'm standing on a trail looking over some water and behind me is woods. And I have my binoculars up and I'm looking over the water and something brushed my arm. And I bring my binoculars down to look. A Cooper's hawk had used me as a blind, was flying (laughs) from the woods behind me and skirted right around me to shoot out over the edge of the water and go after some birds. Wow. And so I tell you, you want to keep your birds safer? Use a tray feeder. It gives them that 360 view like you're talking, John. You've got a new profession, Brian. (laughs) Hawk whisperer. I'm a bird blind. I am the bird blind. That is way cool, dude. That is way cool. And no one was there to share it with me. So I was, (laughs) it was just me and the hawk. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's okay, too. So one of the things that we've talked about many a time in the past, and it's that time of year again, is that there is a thing called the winter finch forecast. And when we oh, yes. talk about when we talk about tray feeders, uh, one of the things that's really fun is this winter finch cor- forecast basically predicts the number of uh, birds that are going to come out the, the the boreal forest, things like crossbills and and grosbeaks and red-breasted nuthatches and purple finches and red poles and that type of thing, because of whether the food supply in the boreal forest is strong, which keeps them there, or whether it wasn't a great year of producing fruits and seeds and, and pine nuts, and therefore a bunch of them have to come south as the winter progresses to get the heck out of Dodge and find food. And we've we've seen that it just came out. I believe it was just yesterday. And um, yeah, it's brand new. <laughs> yeah, brand new out. And, and we're excited because one of the cool birds that love tray feeders, especially a big tray feeders, and it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to maybe make an appearance down towards the Midwest, and that would be evening grosbeaks. Oh yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful yeah. yellow and black bird. Yeah. Oh yes. So it's such an exciting time waiting to find out, ooh, the winter finch forecast is coming out and what's going to happen with the birds. So I'm really excited. Um, it looks like uh, there there's going to be a number of the birds you were talking about mm-hmm. doing some of that movement south. So in the eastern part of the U.S., you get some birds. Western part of the U.S., get some birds. Uh, our listeners in Canada, oh, my goodness, um, watch, watch in the fall because mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of the foods they talked about are dwindling. And the birds will be eating them. And then once they're gone, they're heading further south. Yeah. Yeah. So really fun and, and exciting. And that tray feeder. I love that, John. It, it is exactly the, the evening grow speaks. Love those. Uh, and I think the uh, red poles. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of red poles using tray feeders yes. before in the past. Uh, I was up at Indiana Dunes National Park and the Indiana Dunes State Park at the Nature Center. It has a big feeding area behind it. And they've got a couple of tray feeders. And I remember big outbreak of a uh, big eruption of, of red poles. And I remember going up there and, and the tray feeders were really popular with the red oh, poles. Yeah. Well, yeah, on a lot so of those cool. birds, what food do you put in there to attract them? True. True. Yeah. And black oil, sunflower. Yep. Some of them actually prefer it in the shell. Some of them like it out of the shell. The grosbeaks love it when it's in the shell. Yeah. Pine grosbeak. Yeah. Pine, yeah, pine grow speak, evening grow speak. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. So we'll put a 
pitchforecast in our show notes. If anybody wants to click onto it and take a look, it's fun. It's fun. So what else? What else do we, I mean, I, I would say too, water. I mean, water's really still a crucial thing to have out for birds, especially the migrating birds. And so a good, oh, yes. reliable, dependable source of clean water is also a good thing to have out there. High fat foods, you know, things that are really high in fat, uh, bark butter bits, suet, you know, mealworms for some of the insect eating oh, birds. Yeah. Well, a tray yeah. feeder is really good too, um, to, add, to put some of those foods in. Um, some of the tray feeders out there are really good for putting mealworms out and bark butter bits, which actually mm-hmm. are really attractive to the warblers as they're coming through and a lot of other birds. I mean, my bluebirds, that's their, some of their favorites, mealworms, bark butter bits, sunflower chips. Yeah. Uh, and tray feeding is a great way to uh, offer those foods. Um, so that with the seeds, definitely. Yeah. So throw this at you. Uh, you love tray feeders. Mm-hmm. I love tray feeders. There's someone else. Jim loves Carpenter, them. the CEO founder of Wild Birds Unlimited, mm-hmm. loves tray feeders. Why don't more people have tray feeders? Well, <laughs> I think two things. Maybe there's not a lot of advertising for it, but I think maybe the other is there's a furry bird that loves tray feeders <laughs> <laughs> with a long furry tail. Yes. The, the squirrels love tray feeders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All sorts of those critters do. Cause it's a lot of times it's, it's easy access food, but you know, there's a really easy way. We have lots of solutions to keep them out wherever you're hanging your tray feeder or mounting your tray feeder. If you can do it and have a squirrel baffle on that setup to prevent the squirrels getting access, that works wonderfully. But that is not always an option for somebody. So mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. other solutions too, especially if it's like a hanging or you have lots of trees in your yard and squirrels have easy access no matter where you put a bird feeding station. Right, right. So lots of hot pepper solution foods. You know, one of those tips for trays too, John, you talk about, you know, why are trays not that popular? I think one other reason is a lot of times people think, oh, I only want to fill up that feeder. I only want to go out once a week, once Mm -hmm. every two weeks, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. that would be. Um, I love the tray feeders because you can put a little bit of food in there or you could put a lot of food in there. And so you could go out each day and put a different food in or just enough that the birds are going to eat, make them kind of clean the plate. Or you could put a lot in there and still only have to fill it once a week. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that speaks to, I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to go out of there all the time to refill it. And and no, you don't. Right. If you choose to, it works great. But yeah, Yeah. you've got options with it. Yeah. And you can put, like you said, you can put any food you want out there. I mean, whatever it wants to be. And, and, you know, some people want to use, um, you know, a traditional tray feeder. But I've seen other people. Matter of fact, you and I, one of our favorite photographs from our store down in, in one of our stores down in Texas mm-hmm. was a bird bath. Mm-hmm. It was a stone bird bath uh, that they were using as a tray feeder. And they were putting millet in that tray feeder. And that somebody got a photo of all three of the buntings, indigo bunting, lazuli bunting, and uh, painted bunting mm-hmm. in that feeder, perfectly posed. At the same time. It was oh my gosh. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so mess around. Use use your old bird bath. You know, if you got an old yeah. bird bath and you want to put it out and use it as a tray and see how that works for you. So a lot of options. Yep. 
you know, we, uh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up because we have a lot of the Wild Birds Unlimited stores say, you know what, if you have one of the Wild Birds Unlimited hummingbird feeders and yeah. by the end of that season, if you don't have any more hummingbirds around, um, you know, places out Western part of our listener base in North America, keep hummingbirds year round. So, mm-hmm, but those mm-hmm. that don't they actually take off the lid and now it's a tray feeder. Uh, now yeah. it does not have drainage holes as you could imagine, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes for a nice little tray feeder. Uh, yeah. So it's a great way to kind of get introduced to tray feeding as well. I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss a really good tray feeder is worth its weight in gold. What I really appreciate is we do have uh, recycled plastic kinds of yeah. tray feeders and what I love about those is they're really, really simple to clean and and keep clean. Um, and they they seem to last forever. I mean, uh, the ones that I have, it, it, as they lived right kind of side by side with my wooden one, mm-hmm. the recycled plastic ones, um, they're, they're still going strong. They still look amazing. They I'm look not having great. to repair yeah. them. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and bye-bye, sad wooden tray feeder, which was really great. Uh, but we have some wonderful eco-friendly options like that. And like I yeah. said, the, the benefits of it, they're, they're, they're easy to keep clean. So I'm flashing in my brain, Brian, the fact that, you know, many years ago when I was running nature centers back in the 80s and, you know, even into the 90s, there weren't that many commercial bird feeders available. So you got your woodworking for wildlife book and you made whatever yes. feeder or what. And so you make your tray feeder. You'd probably use a plywood base and put some, you know, one by around the sides and, and, you know, drill some holes in the plywood and put it out there. And of course the holes would all get clogged up and you'd get a good rain. And that's just turns into this nightmare of a mush yes. of seed and mm-hmm. oh God, I can just and I cringe. Anyone, now, even to this anyone thing. who's ever experienced that yeah. knows exactly they're all cringing right now. Just like, yeah, me. no, <laughs> I, to this day I cringe and the smell and oh, it just, the beauty of these these modern day tray feeders is they have the uh, the mesh bottom. You know, it's perfurated metal and it's it's uh, powder coated so it won't rust, and it drains. And you're mm-hmm. not going to get that goopy ugh, mess that you get in the old style feeders that we used to use many years ago. So that's a nice advantage too. And many of them have the option where that tray can easily lift out and yeah. make cleaning even more simple. Exactly right. That's exactly wonderful. right. Well, Brian, it's good to be back. I'm fun as always. Thank you for covering everything again uh, in the last episode. And uh, I think we've kind of put the bow on this topic today. So let's uh, let's move on. Well, that sounds great. It is really wonderful to have you back. Evan did a nice job, so it's it's good to know he can pinch hit for us. Um, but appreciate everyone joining us for the changing cast of characters. So please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and be sure to join us next time when we're going to have a special guest from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, uh, the person that's in charge of Project Feeder Watch. And we're getting into that Project Feeder Watch season where you can volunteer to be a citizen scientist and uh, learn all about how to how to get on board and, and have fun watching your birds and, and contributing to science, too. So until then, as always, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide. So please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. 
To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store near you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.